Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. everyone. Good to be with you. I'm with you on the glasses. Get bifocals too. That'll blow your mind because then you can read and talk to people. Transform my um, doing teaching at college. Um, Thank you for um, setting me up nicely. He is risen. Yeah, we say that, and we say that on Easter Sunday. Um, This is the day we celebrate that Jesus is risen. Um, But there are less and less people who are doing that. Um, Certainly in Australia, less and less people celebrate um, or recognise or acknowledge, um, and more and more people doubt that it's possible. People now doubt that Jesus, Jesus even existed. And here's the interesting thing too. Hands up if you've seen the risen Jesus. That's interesting. (laughs) I've met a few people who've had visions of the risen Jesus, but most of the time for most of us, uh, the risen Jesus is not visible to us. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Blaise Pascal. He was a French mathematician, philosopher, Christian. He said, God being thus hidden, any religion that does not say that God is hidden is not true, and any religion which does not explain why does not instruct. Ours does all thus. Verily thou art a God that hidest thyself. Um, His point is that God is clearly hidden from us most of the time, Um, but we better have an explanation for it if we're going to say Jesus is risen. And happily the Bible does, and that's what he said too. Our religion has that. Um, John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God. And that's true. Even in the Old Testament, no one saw God. The visions were of his glory or of an angel. Um, But no one's ever seen God. But then verse goes on, But... Jesus, the one and only Son, has made it made him known to us. Jesus has shows, shown us who God is and shown us that he is the Son of God. And then in Acts chapter 17, Paul says, And God has provided proof to us of this, by, well, to everyone, by raising him from the dead. This resurrection is proof that God is real and that Jesus is God in person visiting us. And that's what we do. Easter morning, we celebrate that. This resurrection shows us that even though God is hidden, he loves us and he's for us and he visits us. And what we have here in the reading is, this is Luke's account of the risen Jesus turning up. And certainly for me, it's a little bit unexpected. If you're going to try and prove to everyone, everyone in the world, that you were the risen Lord. Um, This is perhaps an unusual way of doing it. It's certainly a challenging way. 
Um, for a start, uh, do you know who the two are? They're not, they're not apostles. We don't really know who they are. There's two, two of the followers, two of the people who follow Jesus. Um, they're sort of nobodies. That's interesting. Um, but in this account, Jesus doesn't sort of turn up and shine in all his glory. He doesn't write. There's no sort of sky writing. doesn't seem very dramatic at all. In fact, he turns up sort of hidden at the beginning. And then into the story, he reveals himself more clearly. And then he hides again, disappears again. So I'm going to walk through this story and I think there's some lessons here about how it is that, what this shows us about how God wants to meet us, how God wants us to encounter him, how he wants us to, be, um, to meet him and be proven uh, and for him to prove to us who he is. So the first thing in the story is that he, Jesus hides and he sort of hides behind, it's, run with this, it's like a practical joke So at the beginning of the story, in verse 13, no, let me read from, uh, where will we read from? Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So he walked with them. He somehow stopped them working out who he was. Again, strange thing to do if you want to prove to people who you are. Um, and then he asked them this question, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And the next bit is very, very funny. I think a couple of weeks ago I talked about how the Bible's maybe funnier than we might think. This is one of the out-and-out and out jokes in the Bible. Um, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these last days? That's funny. <laughs> Do you not understand what's happened with this Jesus thing? And then what does Jesus say? What things? It's just dripping, it's pure irony, dripping with irony. Um, and I think it's deliberate because jokes are clever things. Jokes, um, for a start, they're fun. They invite you, they engage you. Um, and I think God is a God who plays. I think God must be funny because um, humour is fun. But... And here's an example where Jesus, he's being playful, I think. But also jokes, you only get a joke if you come at it from the right angle. And I think this whole little encounter is Jesus sort of um, helping them to realise, like they haven't worked out what's going on yet, and he's sort of setting them up to understand how this works. And he's setting them up with a joke. Um, and... One of the key things that I want to talk about is the key, what Jesus is interested in, and I th notice too, he's walking along with them. Again, no sky writing. Um, Jesus is interested in personal encounter. And when he wants to prove himself to everyone in the world, he's not interested in spectators, proving himself to spectators. He's interested in personal encounters with people. Let's take football as an example. He's not interested in people sitting in the stands. Um, 
everyone's a commentator when you're sitting in the stand. Everyone has an opinion. But opinions are cheap when you're sitting in the stands, particularly if it's tackle football. The game moves very differently, differently when you're on the field. Um, the stakes are much higher. Um, and that's what's going on here. For Jesus, this, he doesn't, doesn't just want to give us objective evidence that we can decide for ourselves about. Um, he doesn't want to make us the judges of him. That's the wrong way around. He wants, to, he wants a personal encounter where we're on the field, committed to it. He's not interested in scientific, being scientifically tested and prodded. He wants to walk with us. And that's a very different kind of proof, very different kind of encounter, particularly where you find that. Maybe a better example than football is romance. Uh, when you go on a date, the only way it's going to work is if you engage. You can't do it at a distance, can't do it in a book. Um, you actually have to engage face-to-face. It's high risk. And the sort of proof involved is a totally different type of thing. You need to meet someone to know them. The story moves on and Jesus goes from the joke to sort of flips over to a rebuke. And he's sort of rebuking their expectations of um, where they might find him or certainly what God is like. Because they're saying all these things, we thought this was the guy. We thought this Jesus guy was the one who was the Messiah. But then, and he was going to rescue Israel. And then look what happened. He died on the cross. And he's saying, you, you don't get it. Again, you don't get, you've got to come at it from the right way and understand what's going on here. You need to understand where, who God is, what he's like, where he's going to meet you, what he's doing. Verse 25, he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. If you want to meet God, um, you need to find him in the right place. And it'll be the place where he said he's going to be, not where you might like him to be. And it might take a bit of work might take some theological work. You might need to do your homework and read the scriptures and work out, you know what, Jesus did all these things, but I'm not really going to understand them unless I know what was promised and what he's fulfilling. It might take you. I don't know everyone in this room. If you have not yet met the risen Jesus, you might need to start there, do some theological homework. You also might need to do some personal homework. Looking in the right place might take um, a little bit of courage, a little bit of humility, a little bit of letting things be on his terms and not our terms. Uh, There's a little story, I remember my very first pastor told this story about um, a kid who lost his pet snake and someone walked along and the kid was looking for the snake on the road and someone walks along and says, what are you doing? I'm looking for my pet snake. And they said, well, where is it? Well, I lost it over in the grass. Well, why are you looking here? Well, if I look in the grass, my snake might find me first. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying God's a snake <laughs> or that God's terrifying or scary, but he is the Lord and he is the judge of the universe and you're not going to find him sitting safely in a place where he might, find you first, might not be able to find you first. Um, again, it won't be on your terms. It won't be safe. You'll need to go and come close 
and it might be a bit risky and scary. Might be, you'll need to be vulnerable for that. And the right sort of God is a God who dies and suffers and is raised and he wants you to die with him and suffer and rise with him. It's going to be a scary thing. But if you want to find him, that's where you need to find him. You won't find him safely. Anyway, the story rolls on and finally Jesus does reveal himself more clearly. In verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them and when he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes opened and they recognised him. Again, you see the moment where they, first, where they finally saw him. Here's another fascinating thing in the story. It was in private. Um, in fact, it was at a table. It was completely intimate and close. And it sort of, even as a result of their invitation, um, it was a really lovely line there too. It comes a, a little bit later. Um, they asked each, when they sort of saw, oh wow, this is Jesus. And then in verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They knew something was going on. They were, at, at a gut level, they were intrigued, excited, attracted. That's why they invited him in. And I think if you want to meet Jesus, that's, you need to pursue the hunch. Um, again, he doesn't yell at you. He doesn't enforce things on you. He won't intimidate you. He will give you enough so that if you want to come close, if you are genuinely have a heart that's burning to know more, um, and if you invite him in, then he'll reveal himself to you. That's sort of the dynamic of it. Again, think romance. That's how it works. It's like a delicate dance. There's no enforcing. Um, it's a two-way thing of coming close. Um, and again, you can't test it from the outside. You've got to be all in. Like a swimming pool. We had a swimming pool in our old house. They had no, the heater didn't work. So in summertime, it was pretty cold. Well, not cold, it was cool, it was lovely, but you had to get used to it. And you imagine you're sitting in the pool and you say to people, hey, get in, the water's beautiful. Um, but people are suspicious about that and they want to test it. So what do you do? What do you do to test a pool? What do people do? People dip their toe in it, right? What does that tell you? Not very much, for a start, it's just your toe, like it's, you haven't really committed, but also... It feels cold because you just it actually takes them a few minutes to get used to it. Um, so it gives you a clue. Maybe it's, it's not ice or something, but there's a few clues. Um, but the only way you really know is if you jump in. And, and that's the sort of commitment that Jesus is interested in. Jumping in. Um, it's fascinating that, correct me if I'm wrong, this might be wrong, but... There are almost no, there is certainly no big public appearances where Jesus appears. He's not in a temple or um, on a mountain. They're all personal, 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 personal. Um, 
And Acts tells us it happened lots of times, but again, none of them are these spectacular things. They're all Jesus appearing to individuals and connecting with individuals. That's what he's interested in. Then the story, that very next thing that happens is a little bit disappointing. Verse 31 again, then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And the very next thing, then he disappeared from their side. Straight away. Here it's really helpful to have a bit of um, Narnia theology. Um, There's a very famous quote from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe about the lion who's the Jesus figure. And it says, um, he'll be coming and going. This is talking about the lion. He'll be coming and going. One day you'll see him and another you won't. He doesn't like being tied down. Of course, and of course he has other countries to attend to. It's quite all right. He'll, he'll often drop in. Only you mustn't press him. He's wild, you know. He's not a tame lion. Um, the, just in the last couple of verses of our reading, um, the two guys says, it is true, the Lord has risen. They went to the 11, and they said, it is true, the Lord has risen. Um, but he's the Lord. They recognize that he's the Lord. And again, it's not on our terms. We don't get to set it. He revealed himself um, for the purpose of calling to follow, not so he's not tame. You can't domesticate him and keep him with you. That's just not how it works. It's the other way around. We follow him, and in fact, we won't look. Didn't read it tonight, but it goes on to um, the Lord appear, next appearance is to calling people to. That's the message. You've recognised me. You've seen me. Um, the message is to let people know. Let people know that the Lord is risen. And in verse 47, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. But here we end where we began. Jesus is risen. Um, and I love what you're saying about declaration. This is it. We need to, we need to recognize Jesus' terms and how we can meet him. But then when you recognize him, when you finally do meet him, um, we become declarers. We declare that he is risen. That's what we do. We meet him. We recognize the terms. Work out where we're likely to meet him. Um, also remember it might be fun. Um, and then we become declarers. Um, he is risen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs>